Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, and as always, I'm joined alongside my excellent partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, my friend? Good, man. I'm excited to talk O-lineman. Hey, I'm excited to hear you talk about it, my friend, and you know, I am doing a lot better than last week, my man. I know last week I was a little bit of an emotional mess with, with everything going on with my brownies, and you know the AFC was just getting better, so things were not looking too good for me, but you know we got some stuff to talk about on the back half of this podcast that's some big news for the Browns and the rest of the AFC. I mean, this has been far and away the craziest offseason of my life you know I mean I I don't think it's a stretch to say it's one of the craziest offseasons if not the craziest of your life so I mean that's what that's what I mean it's I think it's the craziest of Ian Rappaport's life (laughs) he's the one that's been reporting all these moves yeah it's if if Rappaport's saying it then 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 it's true right yeah Man, oh man, this has been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, who would have thought that an off season could have been like as exciting as the regular season almost? I mean, obviously we love to watch the game itself, but you know, it's kind of like just watching fantasy football right now, Ed. It's it's just it's madness. It is absolute mad. This is like the true March madness, you know. <laughs> but yeah, man, I I am so excited to talk about that. But we'll get we'll get into that here here a little later on the show. But Ed. I know you have been taking a lot of time to uh, to dive into these offensive linemen, and it looks like th- this is this is a pretty deep class wherever you look. And so I'm excited to see what you what you see out of these guys. Um, I know you've taken a lot of time and effort to you know break these guys down. I'm super excited to hear how you value them, Ed. So I'm going to give you the floor, and I want you to give me a rundown on these linemen this year. All right, I appreciate that. Um... First, first we got Evan Neal. Um, you know, we're going to go offensive tackles and probably offensive guards and then a few centers. Um, number one is Evan Neal. Um, and I think he's the overall number one. Um, you know, he's, he's an elite pass blocker, elite pass, you know, rush, you know, run blocker. Um, he can, he can do it in both, in both arenas. Um, he's, he could be the number one pick. He's the safest pick. Um, he's the best prospect. He's the most ready prospect in this draft. Um, so Evan Neal from Alabama, um, and I think you plug him in at left tackle. Um, we also got Ikem Ekwanu. Uh, he's an offensive tackle from NC State. Uh, he's a guy, once he gets his hands on you, it's hard to leave his grip. He's good at sustaining blocks. He's not the most forceful run blocker. I think the problem is his feet. He can bully you with his strength. His feet are his weakness, as I said. He has a strong punch. Um, he was a left tackle for the Wolfpack. Uh, there's Charles Cross. Um, I like that he's an active hand fighter. Still needs to work on his body control and use his leverage better. His feet are decent, but could but could be better. I mean, you know, considering he's in that first round category. He has a good anchor, and I think his technique could be improved a bit. Uh, Trevor Penning, offensive lineman from Northern Iowa. I was left tackle for the Northern Iowa. Um, Needs to punch better as a lead blocker. Needs to engage better when blocking. Relies on his frame. He's an average pass blocker with his feet and hands. Does flash some physicality as a blocker. Then we got Tyler Smith, offensive tackle from Tulsa. He's a left tackle. 
He can pull as a tackle in the run blocking department. Isn't a great hand fighter for a big guy. Has the big, has the dog mentality to take on multiple offensive linemen in the run game. Physicality is what I like. Um, can get caught flat-footed in pass rush stunts. Um, still a good pass blocker at the college level. Um, and then there's Nick Petit Frere, uh, offensive tackle from Ohio State. He was right tackle in 2020, left tackle in 2021. Really light on his feet as a pass blocker. I love his punch and his effort. He's a bully as a run blocker and very good technique as a blocker. Then we got Rashid Walker, offensive tackle from Penn State. Uses angles well as a pass blocker. Very good feet and awareness to keep pass rushers in check. Able to sustain blocks well. Very good hand use and technique as a blocker. Has an aggressive punch. Then we got Obini Aziz, uh, offensive tackle, TCU. Uh, does have the strength and flexibility to match his size. Average punch when blocking downfield. Natural run blocker, but needs to work on his technique. Has natural feet, but is still raw in that department. Needs a better anchor. Then we got Daniel Falele, uh, offensive tackle from Minnesota. He's from Melbourne, Australia. Um, so we're starting to see more international players, especially these kind of projects. Uh, he's 6'9", 380 pounds. You heard me right. He's 6'9", 380 pounds. Four-star recruit from Florida. Right tackle for the Gophers. Still doesn't engage as much as the blocker. Very good pass blocker. Uh, needs to get his technique down um, for his 6'9 length. Needs to have better feet as a run blocker. He has tremendous upside, but needs to sustain blocks better. Uh, Bernard Raymond, uh, offensive lineman from Central Michigan, played left tackle for Central Michigan Chippewas. Uh, once he gets his hand on you, he is able to sustain blocks, has the presence of mind to take the body when overwhelmed with the blitz. Decent run blocker in a power running scheme. I like his physicality and persistence to finish his blocks. And there's Abraham Lucas, uh, offensive tackle from Washington State. is a senior. He's 6'7", 319 pounds, right tackle for the Cougars. Said to be a small-town guy with good character. Um, I think one of the things he said was he liked that Washington State, there was plenty of food, <laughs> places to eat. Um, so he could gain weight. <laughs> uh, it's important as an offensive lineman. Whatever city he goes to in the NFL, have plenty of plenty of places for him to eat. Uh, Three-star recruit from Washington State can pull in the running game. Uh, good run blocker, but improved technique could maximize his punch. Pretty good feet as a pass blocker. High effort blocker in the run game. Needs to get his pad level down. Um, Luke Godecki, uh, offensive tackle from Central Michigan, played right tackle for the Miami Red Hawks. Angles well in a zone scheme, will punch to avoid sacks. Needs to keep pass rushers in check and not give up too much ground. Has a good kick slide. Smoothly opens his hips when taking an edge rusher. And there's Darian Kennard, offensive tackle from Kentucky. We've talked about him with Angelo. Uh, he's a senior. He's 6'5", 345 pounds, four-star recruit out of Ohio. Uh, right tackle for the Kentucky Wildcats. He projects as a left tackle in the NFL, but also could stay on the right side. Very mobile as a run blocker, especially for his size. Uh, would be excellent in a zone blocking system. Uh, able to sustain blocks in the pass game. More intelligent than quick with his feet in pass blocking. His blocking technique is advanced for a college player. Uh, then there's Max Mitchell, uh, number 74 for Louisiana. Um, offensive, offensive, probably right tackle for the Raging Cajuns, probably right tackle in the NFL. Needs to be quicker to the edge. Needs better awareness in his zone blocking scheme. Works hard to finish his blocks. Needs to sustain his blocks better with his feet. Then there's Braxton Jones, offensive lineman from Southern Utah, left tackle for Southern Utah. Sustains blocks well. Needs to be more patient and let the play come to him. Kick slide inside is pretty good. Has a good base for zone blocking. Technique is power five level. Um, then there's Austin Decalus, uh, offensive tackle from LSU. He's a true senior. He's 6'6", 331 pounds. Um, 
right tackle for the LSU Tigers, probably more of a right tackle or offensive guard type. Uh, Four-star recruit out of high school. Decent blocker, but needs to stay in blocks in the run game. Needs to take stronger angles and zone blocking schemes. Average at sustaining blocks in the pass game. Uses his feet pretty well for a right tackle. Has some trouble with good hit with good hand fighters as pass rushers. Um, Nick Zakelge, Zakelge, uh, he's an offensive tackle from Fordham, played left tackle for Fordham. Decent feet as a pass blocker, uses his hand fighting to contain pass rushers. Gets a great push as a run blocker. His hand use is effective at containing hand fighting. Then there's Matt Walesko, um, offensive lineman from North Dakota. He's relentless, he's relentless with his run blocking to bring the pancakes. Uh, needs to keep his pad level down when pulling in the run game. Left tackle for North Dakota. Needs better anchor so he doesn't rely as much on his punch. Needs to sustain blocks better. Needs to improve his technique still raw. And there's Spencer Burford, offensive lineman from UTSA. Keeps his feet moving in pass protection, angles and moves very well as a run blocker. Finishes his blocks. Hand use is very good in pass protection. Left tackle for UTSA. Quick to the edge and able to contain speed rushers. And there's Kellen Deitch, uh, offensive tackle from Arizona State. He's left tackle for the Sun Levels. Really like his technique to get underneath the pass rusher. Has pretty good kick slide to the edge. Has the strength to sustain blocks. Capable of picking up stunts from interior linemen. He's an immediate swing tackle and could be a left tackle in the NFL. I give him a fourth-round grade. Then there's Derek Kerstetter, uh, offensive tackle from Texas. He's an average pass blocker. Moves pretty well for a lineman. Will sacrifice his body to make a play. Has the play style to go for the pancake in the run game. Needs to sustain blocks better. Then there's Myron Cunningham, offensive tackle from Arkansas. Left tackle for the Razorbacks. Very successful Razorbacks team. Very capable zone blocker in the run game. Moves decently well in space. Needs more power as a run blocker. Actually a good pass blocker from the blind side. And there's Jalen McKenzie, offensive tackle from USC. He's a senior, 6'5", 320 pounds. Backup swing tackle for the Trojans. Capable of playing both positions are guard. Three-star recruit out of California. Um, USC was more of a zone blocking scheme, but I think he's better suited for a gap scheme. Uses his feet well as a pass blocker, high effort blocker who shows toughness. Needs to sustain blocks better, but isn't terrible. I think his downfall is his lack of natural athleticism. Then there's Ryan Van Denmark, uh, offensive tackle from Connecticut. Um, we've seen his teammate um, succeed for the Giants. Uh, left tackle for the Huskies. Needs to move his feet better to the edge. Has a strength to take on blockers from the interior. Good run blocker. He could function well in a gap scheme. Has good hand technique to get under the pass rusher. And there's Vidarian Lowe, offensive tackle from Illinois. Played left tackle for the alumni. Confident and competent pass blocker from the blind side. Able to sustain blocks well. Bully is a gap scheme run blocker. Has the strength and frame to shut down pass rushers. Has natural strength, but the technique to use it as well. Move on to offensive guards. Uh, there's Kenyon Green, uh, offensive guard from Texas A&M. He was left guard for the Aggies. He'll pancake you in the run game. Needs better feet as a pass blocker. Has apparent natural core strength as a blocker. Able to sustain blocks in the pass game once he gets his hands on you. Able to sustain. Um, then there's Zion Johnson, offensive guard from Boston College. This is a guy who was really strong at the Senior Bowl. He's 6'3", 310 pounds, senior uh, transfer from Davidson, started two years for the BC Eagles. He was left tackle for the BC Eagles in 2020, left guard for the Eagles in 2019. Good punch in the run game, moves pretty well when pulling, sometimes a bit of off on missing blocks. Decent run blocker, but needs more power. Needs better feed from the interior when pass blocking.
Um, but yeah, this is a guy who I really liked what he did um, in Mobile, so definitely improvement in those areas. Uh, Ed Ingram, offensive lineman from LSU, needs to sustain pass blocks better. Very capable of pulling in the run game. Gets his big body into his run blocking. Has a good frame for his body. Blocks high, but shows his strength in sustaining blocks that way. Then there's Jamari Salyer, uh, offensive lineman from Georgia. He moves very well in space for his size. Played left tackle for the Bulldogs. Awareness needs to be better on zone blocking schemes. Will bully a defensive lineman. His punch is good. Not the quickest blast blocker, but has a great base anchor. Then there's Luke Fortner, uh, um, center guard for Kentucky. He went to the Senior Bowl, center for the Kentucky Wildcats. Bully is a run blocker who can function well in a gap scheme. Needs to move, his, move better as a pass blocker. Strong enough to dominate battles as a pass blocker. Could function as a center or guard at the next level. And then there's Marquise Hayes, offensive lineman from Oklahoma. He's left guard for the Sooners. Competent in picking up stunts. Average pass blocker needs to sustain blocks better. Moves well when asked to pull and very physical with heavy hands. Then there's Chasen Hines, offensive guard from LSU, right guard for the LSU Tigers. Average pass blocker, quick with his hands off the snap count, strong anchor to pass block. More of a zone blocker, but it, but is also a good uh, gap scheme run blocker. Uh, Justin Schaefer, uh, number 54. Um, I'm blanking on what team he's from. Uh, excellent athlete is a lean blocker. He's from Georgia. Uh, played left guard for the Bulldogs. Um, decent pass blocker, capable of a power running scheme, but I'd like to see him on his own. Sustained blocks well, but has room to improve in this area. I like his pad level as a pass blocker. Then there's Logan Bruss, an offensive guard from Wisconsin. We know how Wisconsin pu pushes out uh, great offensive linemen into the NFL. Uh, right tackle for the Badgers, probably fits better as a guard. Kick slide is not quick enough for speed rushers, needs a stronger punch, needs to be more aggressive in the run blocking game, doesn't move well enough as a pass blocker. Um, so... Not a great year for the Wisconsin Badgers as far as what they're used to putting out, but, uh, you know, nonetheless. Um, Thayer Munford, uh, offensive guard, uh, Ohio State, played left tackle for the Buckeyes, a little slow to the edge in his, with his kick slide. Needs better feet as a pass blocker, probably a better fit for the interior in the NFL level. Strong in the area of the upper body. Decent run blocker, but better suited for a zone blocking scheme. Not a good pass blocker as a tackle. And there's Tyrese Robinson, offensive guard from Oklahoma. Played right tackle for the seniors in 2021, but played right guard in 2019 and 2020. Able to sustain blocks decently well. Needs to, I think he needs to move better as a blocker. Has some aggressiveness to his game. Doesn't have the kick slide that he needs to play tackle in the NFL. And there's Dylan Parham. Uh, center guard from Memphis, right guard for the Memphis Tigers. High effort blocker who can function in a gap scheme with his technique. Will take on multiple pass rushers with his effort. Athletic for an interior lineman. Could fit in either run scheme. Good run block technique. This is an underrated guy. This is kind of one of those diamond in the rough kind of mid-round picks that you should keep an eye on. And then there's Lasita Smith, uh, offensive guard from Virginia Tech. He played left guard for Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, he's a good pass blocker from the interior. I like how he relies on his athleticism. He's capable of run blocking in a zone or gap scheme. Has the presence of mind to punch in the open field. Has some sneaky strength to his game. Uh, and then there's Cole Strange from UT Chattanooga. Played left guard for Chattanooga. Moves well for an interior lineman. Has good feet to meet his block squarely. Hand use is very good in pass blocking. Um... Didn't see him lose many battles against Kentucky. I'm comfortable using him as a lead blocker. Then there's Xavier Newman-Johnson, offensive guard from Baylor, left tackle for the Baylor Bears. He misses too many blocks. His average speed for a college tackle is better fit for the interior in the NFL. Not particularly in, 
impressed with him as a college left tackle, to be honest. So um, we'll see what he is as a guard, but he's definitely not a tackle. Um, Aaron Frost, offensive guard from Nevada, played right tackle for the Wolfpack, needs to get stronger in his core and legs, needs to get more aggressive in open space, doesn't have the awareness to know where to be, needs to sustain blocks better, needs to have better hands as a hand fighter. Uh, Josh Rivas, offensive guard from Kansas State, played left guard in 2021 for Kansas State, needs to get stronger and add weight as a blocker, needs to improve his run block technique, average zone blocker, uh, has natural size and strength, I would say he's a raw player, capable pass blocker. Then there's Chris Paul, not that Chris Paul, but Chris Paul, the offensive lineman from Tulsa, needs to be quicker to the edge, right tackle for Tulsa, needs he- needs heavier hands on the defender, has a very good punch, held his own against Tyreek Smith of Ohio State, decent feet but has room to improve in this area. Then there's Andrew Stuber, offensive lineman from Michigan, has a had a key false start against Penn State, not good. Um, but, you know, we're not going to kill him for it. Uses his big frame to angle the defenders away from the ball carrier. Has a decent kick slide, but more suited to playing right tackle. Played right tackle for the Wolverines. Needs to sustain blocks better in the pass game. Needs to be quicker to the edge. Um, go over a few centers. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, center from Iowa. Great blocker who can jump to the second level. Rare strength to take away the point of attack. Very good pass blocker. Effortless snapping the ball. Can't miss prospect in the first round. This is probably my favorite prospect of all the offensive linemen other than Evan Neal. Um, this is probably... Uh, the best center prospect of the last 10 years. Uh, Cameron Jurgens, center from Nebraska, inconsistent feet as a pass blocker, can pull and run block real well, elite mover as a center, has elite aggressiveness as a blocker, run blocking is very good, solid second round pick. And then there's Alec Lidstrom, uh, center from Boston College, good pass blocker, good zone blocking center, quick to pick up the pass rush off the snap count, and pretty good punch. So that's that's kind of my rundown on the offensive lineman. Alrighty, my friend. I I really appreciate that breakdown. Uh, I mean, I I know you spend hours and hours and hours um, looking at these guys. So, um, you know, I I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know it's one of your favorite things to do. And, you know, honestly, you and I, if if the NFL ever needs to hire some people to just strictly watch film, man, they better call us up sometime (laughs) soon because we we can do it for hours on end, my friend. And and that proves it right there. I really appreciate that rundown, my friend. Yeah, I love I love doing film and I love this podcast. So let's move on. Alrighty, well, Ed, arguably the biggest move in potentially Cleveland Browns history, at least uh, maybe in the last you know forty fifty years, is they just traded for Deshaun Watson. Um, I know all the talk we were having last week was you know the Browns were completely out of the race. It was down to the Saints and the Falcons. And that was the case, but the Browns called up last minute and they said, we're going to pay you what you're worth. We're going to make you the highest paid player with guaranteed money in the history of football, $230 million guaranteed. They gave up three first round picks, a third and a fourth round pick. Ed, honestly, value wise, I think that's a great trade for arguably, you know, when he's healthy, arguably a top five quarterback. I mean, this is this instantly puts Browns back into the conversations to be competitors in the AFC. Um, I as a as a Browns fan, you know, it really does hurt to see see us move on from a guy like Baker Mayfield, who has been, you know, the only quarterback of my entire life that you know wants to play for the city of Cleveland, got us our first playoff win, let alone against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you know, 
I can't be too upset when we now have a, 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 arguably a top five quarterback and we have a legitimate chance to compete for a championship. And we didn't have to give up a single key player in that trade. Ed, I'm ecstatic about this. I, I'm a, I don't know how to feel about it and, you know, just because of the whole situation. But um, from a football aspect, I have never been more excited for Cleveland Browns football. And um, Ed, what, what do you think of this move for the Browns? Do you think that, you know, three firsts, a third and a fourth was um, was a good deal? Or do you think they gave up too much? I, I No, I, I honestly think that, I mean, you know, I think the, the, the fear with Baker Mayfield is that you were in mediocre quarterback land. Um, now you're now you're in elite quarterback land um, at the quarterback position. You give up three first-round picks. That's nothing to have a franchise quarterback. That's nothing to have a franchise quarterback. And the reason you gave up so little is because he was in trouble with the law. Um, and apparently the Cleveland Browns have done extensive research on Deshaun Watson. They've said they've dotted their I's and crossed their T's. So <laughs> I have to believe the Cleveland Browns. I have to believe in the comeback story of Deshaun Watson and uh, – <laughs> Gosh, that AFC North, I mean, let's do a rundown. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. You got Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Lamar Jackson in Ravenland. And then the lowly Pittsburgh Steelers with Mitchell (laughs) Trubisky. I mean, that's going to be a dogfight. I mean, we're talking about two divisions that are just absolutely stacked. And the other division being the AFC West, which we'll talk about soon. No, absolutely. This is... It, it's just unbelievable how competitive the AFC is pretty much across the board. But like you mentioned specifically, you know, the AFC North and like the AFC West, like we'll talk about here soon, but it, unbelievable. And like you said, I, I agree. Giving up three first rounders for a franchise quarterback, a guy you're potentially going to have for the next 10 years, more than worth it, more than worth it. Because I mean, it, people are quick to forget, you know, the 49ers gave up, I think it was three first rounders for Trey Lance, a guy that, you know, that's a draft pick. This is a guy that's proven to be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in football. So I am all for this trade. I think they, the the Browns are serious about actually trying to win right now. And Andrew Barry has, has proven that with his aggressiveness in these last few years of free agency. Um, you know, last week I was saying, I don't know what direction we're going with quarterback. And now I'm saying, wow, we actually have a chance to compete. You know, I, I want to see it on the field first. But when you look at this roster, it's it's a roster that can compete for a championship, Ed. And I'm, I'm super excited to see how they fare in the AFC North. You know, with this Watson pickup, where do you rank the Cleveland Browns in the AFC North right now, Ed? You know, I, I have to give it to... Joe Burrow and what he's done against great competition. I mean, he he was he was competitive in the Super Bowl. I have to put him number one as the favorite. I mean, Jamar Chase is going to be a, a second-year player. Joe Burrow is going to be a third-year player. I mean, that's a team that is young and loaded and locked and ready to, to be good. I'd probably put Cleveland number two, um, Ravens number three, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers who – who, uh, you know, have a history at number four. Alrighty, Ed. Hey, hey, I'll take second place, man. It's a lot better than, you know, being in fourth place like we have been pretty much, you know, my entire life up until the last couple of years. So I'll take second. As long as we sneak our way into a wild card and make a make a playoff push, that's all, that's all I'll, you know, <laughs> that, I'll take that and I'll be happy, my man. I mean... I, I I think they're they're Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they're you know when you give them odds to win the Super Bowl, they're there. They're there. 
You know what I mean? They're they're there. They're not they're not uh they're not an outsider. They're not an outside no. shot. Absolutely. And this is, you know, far and away the most talented roster Deshaun Watson has had to work with, you know, offensively and defensively. You're you're pretty sound on both sides of the ball. So I, I know that team he, he brought to the divisional round with the Texans that one year was was really good. You know, they they still had Hopkins and Watt, but this Browns team is way deeper than that Texans team, way deeper. So I am super, super excited to see this, this you know, how this plays out, Ed. But, um, you know, we, we were talking about how the AFC West was, you know, unbelievable. And, you know, they 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 just got a little... So this AFC West has been crazy. They, they turn out to be, you know, arguably the greatest division in the history of football roster-wise, okay? They, the Raiders, this last week, were able to bring in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Not just one of, one or the other. They were able to get the best wide receiver in the NFL and one of the best edge-rushing free agents in the entire league. It's mind-boggling. I mean, the Raiders saw the moves that Denver made. They saw the moves that the Chargers made defensively. And, you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And they're like, well, we, we don't want to sit back and wait a few years. We want to compete right now. And so they went out and they they gave up a boatload for Devontae Adams, multiple first round picks, second or no, excuse me, I believe it was a first and a second round pick for Devontae Adams. And um, Chandler Jones was a, a free agent, so they didn't have to do anything to bring him in. But Ed, that Fresno State uh, connection is coming back with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. I mean, with with that pickup on both sides of the ball. How do you think, I mean, with it's just unbelievable to say that the Raiders still possibly could be the worst team in the AFC West when they have Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones on their roster. But I want to know your opinion. Where do you value them in the AFC West right now? I still put them number four. <laughs> I mean, you got Russell Wilson in Denver. You've got uh, Justin Herbert in LA. And then you got, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs who can never, never, ever be taken lightly, even without Tyreek Hill. Right. I, I agree with you, my man. I agree with you. I still think that they're fourth. Um, I think they lack a little bit of depth uh, defensively. Um, and, you know, honestly, I the crazy thing is that I could see all of these teams finishing with, you know, close to 10 wins. And probably one of them will, like, I promise one of these teams won't make the playoffs, which is unbelievable. I mean, these will be one of the best rosters ever. Um, or one of the best teams on paper to not make the playoffs. It's it's going to be a dogfight in the AFC West, Ed. And um, like you mentioned, another move that just happened, um, the Chiefs are now Tyreek Hillless. And this was kind of one that, that came out of, out of nowhere. Uh, I, I didn't see the reports until early this morning that the Chiefs told Tyreek Hill that they, um, they were letting him, you know, seek trade opportunities. And, you know, it, it was... Uh, dwindled down to two teams pretty early on and those teams were the Jets and the Dolphins and those they were the Jets and the Dolphins because those are the two teams that were willing to pay Tyreek Hill what he wanted to be paid and it's funny enough Devontae Adams when he got traded over to the Raiders they made him the highest paid non-QB in NFL history well that was very short-lived now that's Tyreek Hill um and you know I I I think adding Tyreek Hill to any offense is instantly going to change the complexion of your offense. It, it just changes so much, changes so much. You have to respect everything deep, every single last play now, and it opens everything up. But how do you feel about the Dolphins having to give up a first, a second, two-fourths, and a sixth? I mean, I think with with how nearly complete this Dolphins offense is, 
I'm on board for it. I think this team's a little bit better than people want to give them credit for. But at the same time, you know, that, that's still a lot of draft picks to give up. But Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, Ed, who on earth is fast enough to keep up with that receiving core? I, I mean, that, that's seriously one of the fastest receiving duos in the history of football, my man. I, I understand. Um, giving up that much for Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, when I think about it, um, you know, <laughs> I, I would say uh, I would say if you give up that much for, for a receiver, I think you overpaid. So I think the Kansas City Chiefs got the better of that trade. But I mean, I, I, I do I do understand how uh, Mike McDaniel likes Tyreek Hill, likes the matchup nightmare, likes that he has two receivers that are uncoverable. Um, you know, even if you have a top corner, you can't have two top corners to stop both of those guys. So I mean, he's giving Tua every opportunity to succeed. No, absolutely. And you know, uh, the Miami loves to run that RPO, you know, quick pass offense. So if you get the ball into these guys' hands, I mean. It, that's that's really all Tua needs to do. You're making this so much easier on Tua, so much easier because Tyreek Hill is a guy that just consistently gets separation. Tua's not gonna have to make these high level, you know, super tight window throws. It's either gonna be you're you're reading Waddle on a slant on the RPO or you got Tyreek Hill over the top. I mean, you are seriously making um, Tua Tagovailoa's life very 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 easy right now. But like you said. You're giving up a lot, a lot for a receiver, and um, you know I just I, I want to see. I'm, I'm I'm curious to see how this fares for Tyreek. Was Tyreek? I mean, I, I still think Tyreek Hill is a phenomenally talented wide receiver, but I want to see if it was more of Tyreek was a product of Mahomes or vice versa. I think that um, both will have some growing pains when they're separated from one another. But uh, I'm really excited to see what the Chiefs do to fix this because. They we uh we just they just brought in um Juju Smith Schuster who you and I can agree is you know not necessarily a number one receiver that's kind of like your slot guy your number two guy um that Chiefs receiving core with the exception of you know Juju and Travis Kelsey is looking very 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 slim you just lost to Marcus Robinson so it's pretty much McCole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster as your receiving core I think with that pick that they just got in the draft Ed um, with one of their two first round picks they are absolutely going out for a receiver. And they have to, in my opinion. They have to. Yeah, I, I just think you're, you, you, have too many, you have too many twos and not enough ones. Right. Agreed. I mean, gosh, if they, if they end up landing a guy like Traylon Burks, <laughs> I mean, how crazy would it be to, I mean, you, yeah, you have to get rid of Tyree Kill, but you get, you get a second round pick out of it because you're going to use the first on a receiver, but you get, you get all these picks and then to replace them, you get a high level uh, rookie, like maybe Traylon Burks, um, depending on where, I don't know exactly what that pick is from Miami. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it's somewhere middle of the draft. So you do have a serious chance to land a guy like Traylon Burks and, um, I, I think they absolutely will find their number one receiver in this draft, but man, I just, I can't get over how crazy this is. Who would have thought, you know, even yesterday, nobody was going to wake up to expect to see Tyreek Hill as a dolphin, man. And the crazy thing is I would argue that that's potentially not even, you know, the, the most extreme move that's happened in the last week. Um, another move that's, that's blown my mind, uh, the AFC just getting even better is the Colts finally got their quarterback situation figured out for maybe the next year or two. They were able to get Matty Ice 
all they had to give up for him was a third round pick. I mean, I understand that, you know, he's getting towards the tail end of his career and he's getting up there with age, but a third round pick for a guy that absolutely can give you a playoff push. I mean, I I would say the Colts are absolutely my favorite to win that division now. I think Matty Ice puts them over the edge as the for sure favorites for me to win the AFC South, Ed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I would say I would say I still I still believe in Tannehill. I still believe in the Titans, so I'm gonna probably pick the Titans to win that AFC South. Not to get into a whole tangent, but I I'm not I'm not sold on Tannehill. I just feel like anytime he's been asked to uh, you know to be the man, he just can't do it. And you know I think the Colts getting a former league MVP, a guy that's been to the Super Bowl. You know, guy that's still been putting up really good numbers despite all the hate he's been getting, despite all the, you know, roster issues with how much of a dumpster fire the Falcons organization has been the last few years. Matt, Matty Ice has, you know, he's been the only thing that's been consistent. And I feel like people kind of undervalue what, you know, how good he still is because of how bad that, you know, they've had top five worst defense the last five years. Um, yes, the receiving core has been good, but it just... It just hasn't been working because, you know, if you're getting the ball at horrible field position every time because of your defense, it's just not going to be easy on you. I don't care how talented that offensive roster is. If you have a horrible defense, you can't be an incredible, incredible offense. So um, I absolutely love this move for the Colts. I think if they're in a win-now mode, it was the best realistic um, scenario for them. Uh, I don't think that they were going to land anybody that instantly puts them as a competitor in the draft. I don't think there was, you know, really any. The only other guy I would have liked to see them get was Jameis Winston. Um, You know, obviously he re-signed with the Saints, but to acquire a former league MVP for a third-round pick, Ed, I love it. I love that move for the Colts. I honestly think that's one of the most underappreciated moves of the offseason. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I do, I do think the Colts are going to be a competitive team. Uh, there's just a lot of other good teams in the AFC. I mean, it's going right? to be, it's going to be hard to see who. I mean, that seventh spot is not going to be handed to anyone like the Pittsburgh Steelers were handed to it last year. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I, there is not a single. I mean, we can maybe narrow it down to seven, eight teams in the AFC that we think might have a shot. But I mean, compared to the NFC, there's what, you know. The Rams and the Bucks, maybe the Packers, even though that receiving core is in shambles. I mean, realistically, it's pretty much only the Rams and the Bucks in the NFC. The AFC is all of the AFC West, pretty much the AFC North, the Colts, the Titans. It, the list goes on and on and on, Ed. It's unbelievable, and I, I cannot wait to see it. And, you know, enough AFC talk. Let's, let's hop over to what the Falcons now have to do now that they've given up Matt Ryan and um, they 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 were able to acquire Marcus Mariota and you know I know the Falcons roster is in shambles right now their their leading receiver has like 50 career receptions it's bad it's really bad down there uh, in Atlanta my friend but I do like the Marcus Mariota pickup he's going to be a super cheap option you're not planning on winning anything right now you don't want to be the absolute worst team in the league and so I feel like Mariota is a serviceable, cheap, you know, option. He hasn't, he's been hungry for his opportunity the last two or three years or so. Um, and I think everybody around the league was kind of calling for Mariota to get his shot again. And this was kind of the perfect scenario. We knew he wasn't going to go to a team that was necessarily 
um, you know, going to fight for a playoff spot. It was going to be a team that was somewhat more towards the desperate side of the category. But I love to see Marcus Mariota get his shot. And I honestly, like, we, we were talking a little bit about it earlier. With how bad this team is right now, Ed, I don't think it's... I, I wouldn't say it's fair to fire Arthur Smith, like you said, if they had a three-win season. I agree with you. I don't think that would be fair um, because how bad this roster is right now. I mean, yes, I, I love the Mariota pickup, but that's not a pickup that's going to be like, oh, wow, that's going to win us football games now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think, I, I think, to be honest with you, I think if Arthur Smith goes three and 14, I think his job should still be safe. Unless, unless, unless there's some sort of off the field scandal or, you know, something like that. Right, right. Unless he, unless he's, uh, you know, pulling like an Urban Meyer type beat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't think you can expect him to win a lot of games with the team he has. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, honestly, defensively, they're not looking too shabby on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they, they just picked up Casey Hayward, so now you, now you got Casey Hayward paired up with A.J. Terrell, one of the better secondaries in football. But, I mean, gosh, that offense is literally Kyle Pitts and Marcus Mariota and Cordell Patterson. You know, Cordell Patterson was a baller last season, absolute baller. But it's going to be hard to win football games when your leading receiver has 50 career receptions, my man. And, um, Falcons, absolutely a team I expect to see take a receiver first round. Um, gosh, at this point they need to get their X. They need to get their guy of the future. I mean, there's no time to wait around. Um, I could see them being a team that likes a guy like, uh, Drake London, that big body receiver. Traylon Burks is always a guy that I'll, I'll throw out there. If, if teams looking for that legitimate X, um, I think those are the two best X receivers in the draft right now. But, um, man, it is not going to be pretty in Atlanta next year, Ed. I, I have to agree with you. Um, I, I mean, Kyle Pitts can only get you so far. <laughs> you know, tight end can only get you so far. So I, I think I think you need to, you know, I think they need to be thinking about drafting a quarterback. Uh, I don't know. I think I think maybe Marcus Mariota might be kind of that bridge option, and they might be linking about Malik Willis or something. I agree with you, my man. I agree with you. I I could absolutely see Atlanta, um, you know, drafting a quarterback because you know this this wide receiver class is so deep. Go get your receiver with that third round pick that you just got. You know, um, I I I would love to see a new quarterback in Atlanta. I think uh, I think they, I I think Atlanta's kind of ready. I mean. Not I just said Matt Stafford was not a bad quarterback, which he wasn't by any means. But I think it was kind of reaching the point where it's like, you know, we want something fresh. We we know you're good, but you're not good enough to get us out of the situation we're in. So we need to just start fresh, clear the house. And I, you know, I I agree with getting rid of um, Matt Ryan. You know, let it let him walk away, give him his opportunity to you know potentially win anything, get what you can while you can. You know. Um, in, in two years, if he was debating on retiring or something, you didn't want to extend his contract, you weren't going to get much for him if, if he was a free... You wouldn't get anything for him if, if you let his contract expire. So might as well try to get you a free pick out of it and start building for the future, Ed. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's what they're going to do. So moving on. Um, Do we do we have any other big, big news? Why don't, you, why don't we close out the show? Alrighty, my friend. Well, Ed, I really appreciate you giving me a rundown on those offensive linemen. I could, I could seriously sit here and listen to you talk about film for hours, and I could sit here and talk about film for hours. And you know, that's that's partially why we got this podcast, so we can we can put our love out there, my man. And um, you know, I always appreciate all the amazing content you have to bring to the show, my friend.
Yeah, thank you, Brendan. I'm excited about uh, you know the content we have next week for safeties. Hey, me too, my friend. And you know, with how these last few weeks have been going, we're gonna have some more big NFL news. I can promise you that. Um, you know, don't rule out any crazy blockbuster trades coming out next week. So hopefully, we have some of those to talk about. And folks, thanks for tuning to this episode of Blitzcast, and we'll be back. <laughs>